0: lots of talk about a $15 minimum wage these days. Well, there's actually been a lot of talk about this concept for years. But could we start to see some actual action? And what would a $15 minimum wage mean for the economy, especially considering right now the federal minimum wage is just $7.25 an hour? So what would be the positives of this hike? Could there be some downsides? Wanted to talk about all this, so we reached out to Dr. Nancy Fox. She is an Associate Professor of Economics at St. Joseph's University, interesting and important conversation. Give a listen. So we seem to have a legitimate, a real push, real momentum towards a $15 minimum wage uh, in this country. I know it's a priority of the new administration. Uh, how realistic do you think it is that we will see this, if not across the board, in a in a lot of corners of this country?
1: I think I, I, I'm... Hesitant to think that the Congress, our current Congress, will pass a $15 federal minimum wage, mostly because of the even split between the Democrats and Republicans. This is an issue that many, most Democrats support. It's an issue that many, most Republicans do not. But I think the answer to your question is, in fact, Matt, a little different, because I don't know if most people know that there are not only our federal minimum wage, which is $7.25 an hour. Last time it was increased was in 2009. But I think that many people might not not know that many, many states have their own minimum wages. And the law states that when there is a difference between the federal minimum wage, again, $7.25 an hour, and a state minimum wage, that the state minimum wage prevails. The latest data I have seen is that there are 29 states in the United States, plus the District of Columbia, that have a minimum wages higher than the federal one. I think very interesting, in the election in November, the state of Florida, which you might recall voted for Trump, by a 60% to 40% margin, voted to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. I think what also should be noted is any of this legislation, and I said it's it, in the last couple of years, a lot of states have raised their minimum wages, that it's unusual, actually, I think it's never, that the minimum wage would go right up to $15 an hour. In fact, the legislation that's proposed in Congress, which is called, I think, Raise the Wage, it, it proposes a four-year rollout. So this would not happen overnight, although it's more than doubling the current federal minimum wage. And I don't think that has ever happened in the history of the minimum wage was started in 1938 under Roosevelt with a 25 cent an hour minimum wage. In Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf has been trying since he got into office to raise the minimum wage, which is seven and a quarter an hour. And he has been unsuccessful. I understand he's going to try again. What was interesting about that? Well, there is so much. But what's interesting about that and one of the reasons that maybe even business is pushing to raise the minimum wage in Pennsylvania is, all of the contiguous states have a higher minimum wage than we do. So what does that mean? That means if a person lives near a border, that they might go to another state to take a job, or it might mean that if somebody is considering moving into the area, they might prefer to go somewhere else. The other thing, if I may, that I just learned in preparing for this interview is that municipalities can, can, can pay their workers what they want, just like Walmart can pay its workers what it wants as long as it's above the minimum wage. But the state of Pennsylvania can pay its workers what it wants. The city of Philadelphia can pay its workers what it wants. And in fact, in Philadelphia, municipal workers and contractors are currently paid $13.75 an hour, that's scheduled to go up to $15 in July of 2022. President Biden, in an executive order, proposed doing similar things for federal workers. He proposed that the government look into this and get back to him to see what would result. So we have a lot of places that pay more than the federal minimum wage. And I'd remind the the listeners that until the pandemic, the unemployment rate was 3%, a 50-year record. So that, that's just a little beginning.
0: So when it comes to some of these places, these states, these municipalities that have high, had a higher minimum wage, closer to 15 and I think Washington, D.C., off the top of my head, is $15 yeah. an hour. Do we have enough data what that means economically for the region? And maybe not specifically, but in broad strokes, like has it uh, increased spending power? Has it led to a loss of jobs or is it is there not enough to to tell?
1: I I don't have a broad national view, but I can cite at least one study. So it's an empirical study from a couple years ago. This is comparison between New York and Pennsylvania, again, contiguous states where at that time, the state minimum wage in New York was twelve seventy five, and here it was seven and a quarter. So the economic theory, just as you suggest, would predict that the unemployment rate in New York would be higher. But in fact, researchers at the Fed of New York, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, found, and I'm quoting, wages had increased sharply for leisure and hospitality workers in New York, while employment growth continued unabated. And there is a letter, I don't know exactly who they're sending it to, but there is a letter signed by over 100 economists calling for an increase in the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Now, it should be point, I should point out that this comes out of the Economic Policy Institute, which tends to lean a little left. They write a couple of things about why they want to do this. They propose raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour in now it's three years. But this was written a little bit ago. So they claim, not they claim, they say that at a federal minimum wage of seven and a quarter, this is about 30% less per hour than their counterparts were making 50 years ago because of inflation. And in fact, the buying power of the current federal minimum wage of seven and a quarter is is the lowest it's been since 1968. So even though on paper, it was lower in 1968, those people could buy more with their dollars then these minimum wage workers could as well. And the other thing that these economists, including Heather Boucher and Jared Bernstein, who are both economic advisors to President Biden, Janet Yellen is not on this list, I double-checked, that productivity has increased. And we usually expect that wages should go up with productivity. They think, these economists think, that this is going to increase spending and help the economy because typically lower-paid lower households spend more. Higher-income households save more. So this should be a boom. They, they predict that c- consumer demand would be increased and business activity and job growth would both increased. Now, <laughs> because if you ask two economists, you're going to get three opinions. In 2019, the Democratic House then proposed a $15 minimum wage. And when Congress proposes legislation that affects the economy, the Congressional Budget Office... A non-partisan group of economists. that was started in mid '70s. Is supposed to analyze what's going to happen. So, what did the CBO find in 2019? They found that 17 million workers who currently or currently make less than $15 an hour would get a raise. But they said that this might lead. Well, this would lead to reduced business income and higher prices and a slight decrease in, in, out, in output in the economy. It, it's hard to say. The other thing that I think is worth talking about is what, what is the minimum wage? What does it mean? We, we say seven and a quarter, but what the heck does that mean? Well, one thing it means is that if an individual, a head of household, were working full-time at the current federal minimum wage of $7 and a quarter an hour, that person would not earn even $16,000 a year. In a family of four, that puts them below the federal poverty level. Another study that I read, and this is one of my favorite, that a single parent earning the minimum wage, this goes back just a couple of years, but it's still good enough, A single parent working the minimum wage, the federal minimum wage, would have to work 163 hours a week to afford a decent two-bedroom apartment. I ask my students to do the math, and even I can't do it that fast, but let me tell you, that leaves you five hours. (laughs) That leaves you five hours. And so when we talk about what would happen to the economy and jobs and GDP if we raise the minimum wage, I think the jury's out. But one thing that I think people typically overlook is if you are below the poverty level, if you're working full-time minimum wage, then you are on all these government programs, which cost the government money, food stamps, Medicaid, uh, housing allowances, CHIP, Pell Grants. If people earned enough to feed their families and went above the poverty level, then the government would have to spend all that money. And I think the other question that I always ask my students, I can teach the economic theory of supply and demand and how you determine what wages and what happens when the government interferes with it. I mean, that, that's that's pretty common stuff. But then I say, what's the purpose of a wage? I mean, Do we want to live in a country? And I will tell you my thinking on this has evolved since I started studying this in college many years ago. If you had interviewed me 20 years ago, I'd say, heck no, let's get rid of them in a wage. We don't interfere with the market, but I see it differently now. It's like, it's uncomfortable to think that somebody who works 40 hours a week still needs government assistance. It's uncomfortable to me that a football player owns millions of dollars for throwing a football. I'm not a big sports fan, but nonetheless, I think your, your listeners will get the point. So I, I think that is an interesting question. The other thing, when we talk about markets, and let me be very clear, I consider myself a market economist. I really believe in markets, I believe in incentives, but I also believe that the market doesn't always work and that when the market doesn't work, the government has to fix it. What was really interesting to me a couple of years ago when I started teaching this again, how many private firms, I mean, big firms were not paying the minimum wage. I'm talking about firms like Amazon and Target and JP Morgan which were paying their, their, their lowest paid workers 11 12 13 $15 an hour. These are for-profit organizations. These are for-profit companies. Why are they doing that? Because they care? I don't think so. Not to disparage these companies, but they're out to make profit. They're doing it because they need to get the workers. So that tells me that the $7.25 is almost moot in some places.
0: Something and you talk about that that c b o report, and i've got I was going to bring that up uh it did say that about one point three million workers would lose their jobs, and another negative I hear is specifically with small business that some of these small businesses can't afford that, but I kind of and tell me if I'm looking at this wrong, that yes, businesses would have to pay more out on one end in a higher minimum wage. But isn't it rational to think that that more money going out into the free market, people having more buying power, would bring more business into that small business to offset the uptick in wages? Am I making sense, and am I being naive?
1: No, you're you're making perfect sense. Of course, we can't know anything perfectly, but that is part of the argument. If you put, it's the same argument for giving people now during the pandemic a $1,200, a $1,500, a $600 check because we're having a demand problem. So if you put income in people's pockets, they're going to spend it. And as I said before, low-income people tend to spend a higher percentage of additional income than higher-income people. So this should, yes, if you increase income, consumption consumption in this country is about 70% of GDP. So if you pay people more, They're going to spend more. And I guess the other point I would would make, and I I can't remember the context where where I heard this, but I'm thinking of things like fair trade coffee and organic food. These are things that people want and they cost more. I know it was Bill Gates. Bill Gates was talking about climate and how it's going to cost more possibly, or we could make it cost more, we could tax to have clean energy. And the jury's out on that, but that's, that's another interview. How much is it worth to us as a nation to have people earn a living wage and maybe people's earning a living wage is the cost of doing business, just like buying tomatoes to make tomato soup or buying cotton to make t-shirts is, or paying the electric bill when you run a restaurant. It's part of the cost of doing business. It's just not a cost that we see.
0: And you mentioned about 70% of our economy being – we have become such a consumer-driven economy that it's almost – from that standpoint, when you think how important the buying power of the average American is to the American economy, it makes it hard to argue against giving the consumer, which is – proving to be the engine of the economy, more buying power to put more money into the economy.
1: I have a hard time arguing with that. I really do. On the other hand, one of the basic premises of of market economics is that people respond to incentives. So that if you give someone something that they haven't earned, what incentive do they have to work for it? And it's attention. It's absolutely attention.
0: And would there, and coming to this not from an economy, it seems like, I mean, 725, and you pointed out, you know, what that means a year and how that really doesn't cut it. Would we be better served instead of coming up with a a straight number? And I'm not smart enough to know this, but tie minimum wage somehow to the economy so that's a moving target that goes up and down based on, I don't know, GDP, uh, something. People smarter than me could come up with some kind of a formula. But rather than just taking a sticker, putting it on the wall, and saying this is the minimum wage, something that's more re- that would be more reflective of where we are as a, an economy?
1: Well, I don't know if he's smarter than you, but I know he's really smart. Um, Alan Blinder, who's a pr- professor at Princeton University, Points out. I don't know that he recommends this, but he points out that the federal minimum wage fell from 50 percent of the average wage in 1978 to 30 percent of the average wage in 2015. And some of these proposals to raise the minimum wage are suggesting exactly what you implied to peg it to the average wage. Now, I haven't seen a number. I haven't seen them say 50 percent or 30 percent, but you're right on target there. Yes, it should keep up. Not inflation. I don't, I've don't. never seen it pegged to inflation, but the minimum wage should be pegged in some way to the average wage. If I could go back to something you said a little bit earlier, Matt, it's the other thing, and this actually comes from Alan Blinder as well indirectly. When we, if, if we raise the wage from seven and a quarter to $15 an hour, this will have an incredible, huge, dramatic effect to that worker. If the small business to raise the price of the sweater it's selling from $50 to $60, and I'm the consumer, and I'm paying $10 more for that sweater, that has just the most minimal effect on me. So the aggregate numbers are worth looking at, but I think we have to also look at who is being affected positively and negatively. The economic theory always said, or I was always taught, that... The pro- a problem with the minimum wage is exactly what you said. People lose jobs. And who's losing their jobs? The very people that it's intended to help. Uh, the data recently does not show that. The CBO, as you correctly point out, has predicted this. But I have not seen a study that supports it. Not that they're not out there, but I've not seen it.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.